If the draft goes down the way that I just said, and he gets to mm-hmm. number 11 to the New York Jets, I don't see how they don't draft Bakai Beck. <laughs> With the 11th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Bakai Becton, tackle Louisville. How would you say you are as a player if you're watching your cutups? Clearly the most dominant guy on the field. Human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton. <laughs> I always play with the tip of my shoulder. Look, I tell you what, I think they got the best tackle in the draft in Makai Becton. Best tackle in the draft. This guy is 6'7", 250 pounds, looks like... He's about 290. If you haven't seen a presence like this in forever, there's a good chance one of these big-time beast tackles will be the next thing we really want to do for Sam is get him a weapon, but not just any weapon. Everybody knows that I'm in love with Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims. This kid is going to be an absolute savage. The new target for Sam Darnold to throw to. When it comes down to crunch time, they know that I want the ball. I'm going to make the play. 4-3-8-40 was third most among wide receivers. This is a guy who can make every catch imaginable. What do you think about coming to New York? I uh, can't wait. Can't wait to see the big album. I'm ready for it. everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined on the line, as always, by the number one jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than my colleague and co-host, Michael Lagaris, everyone. The number one happiest fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris. <laughs> Coming in hot from the Lone Star State, we're also joined on the line by our two favorite guests, CJ, the painkiller, D. Simone, Kevin Jackson, weapons hot. What is up, boys? Thank you for having us once again. I'm sure I, I'm sure I speak for my co-host, and I, I normally don't. I think I'd be pretty spot on in saying tonight's a good night, fellas. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we're going to get into everybody's opinion for the individual picks, the draft as a whole, big picture, everything you could possibly think of with this draft, we're going to break down right now, which is why we have the boys on here with us. It's been a while since I sat around after a New York Jet draft, after the smoke cleared, after we make our six, seven, eight selections this year, it happened to be about nine guys, I think it was. I don't remember the last time I sat around and felt like through just one single draft, we were able to accomplish as much as we did. Our drafts have been bad for a long time. With us getting one player who's a starter out of a draft, we're like, oh, that's a great draft for Jet fans. And you're looking here at this draft, players that we just selected, in theory, could be five or six starters in there, and we're going to get into it. We'll we'll see what everyone else's opinion is. But we were together for the first round. We were with you guys. Uh, We were there when we drafted Becton. We were hoping that's where we went. Draft kind of fell right into our laps, Mike. Kind of went that we were hoping with that first round. When it comes to the rest of the draft... A few more little gems seem to stumble into our laps. Stuff we're not used to. We traded down in the draft. Still got a guy we wanted. These are things we're not used to, okay? And now all of this stuff is just on paper. How it plays out in actuality, completely different thing, and we all know that. But if you are a Jet fan, okay, and you are sitting there thinking about the history, most recent history with drafts especially, freaking go back 40 years of drafts. You don't even have to go that recently. My entire life. 
Okay, we can bring up Brownie Nagel and Blair Thomas and a hundred other guys. You have to be satisfied on paper with the selections the Jets made and with the way they went about this draft, Mike. It wasn't just the players that we took. It was how the GM approached the draft, understanding positional value, having a clear understanding of how the board was going to fall, being savvy, being strategic, getting value at almost every pick that he was able to find. You know, we won't know how well these picks lay out in the coming years, but just to see the general manager not reach and go after holes, but not but still find the best available talent i just thought i haven't seen a draft like this maybe in my life and i was just floored and happy to see again we don't know exactly what this will reap us but i was very happy with seeing how joe douglas knew i mean he it felt like he knew the board he knew that guys were overvalued or undervalued based on the narratives and what fans thought and guys that we thought would never be in certain rounds were there and then he took them and it was just masterful on some of the things he did i never thought i would say that a jet gm would fleece a new england gm and that and i thought that happened in the draft look i i'll say this because i i think that we're all uh pretty much in the same boat here with i guess how it is that we feel like it played out and i'm just going to take a a a few pieces of, of what both of you guys said because obviously you guys are spitting fire already. It's already a immense amount of heat over here. I got to be careful with my phone. So let me just say this. <laughs> I think that Joe Douglas has done something that we may not be, you know, uh, we're not comfortable with seeing. I don't, I don't want to use that word because I, I think it's just been something that we haven't seen. And in that, it's been a methodical, focused approach to a situation that obviously for us has been so difficult to, to kind of master. And I think that he did it beyond what our expectations were, even if some folks are going to have questions about players in certain positions and things of that nature. For every single pick, there was not only value, but we're talking about value beyond maybe expectations. If, if it wasn't a, a, you know, a, a, a 540-foot moonshot out of the park, it most definitely scored a run. It might it might not have been you know absolutely gorgeous, but I'm telling you right now, I love what was done. I think that we addressed every position, not just you know in the draft in particular, but how we went about the undrafted free agents and some of the guys that we brought in, even that final pick with the Quincy Wilson. Look, Joe Douglas did his thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wax poetic about this all night, but <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, most most folks that have a problem with this, I for one am happy that the adult in the room. It, 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 it's focused enough to be able to do what it is that he needs to do. We, ha we haven't been able to see that recently. I'm so happy we're able to see it now. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself there, uh, Kevin. You know, as, as far as this draft was concerned, we got the pieces that we need for right now to not just cement the foundation, but also to solidify it. One of the things that I had said uh, both on your podcast and on ours uh, over on Weapons Hot is basically that I wanted Joe Douglas to draft a cornerstone for the offensive line for the next decade. Now, there are some people with some mixed reviews on uh, on the pick of Mackay Becton. I'll leave you guys yeah. to be able to give your to to give your opinions on that. But I, however, stand behind the pick. I think it's a solid pick. 
I think Becton's going to come in here and he is going to bust his ass to make sure that Sam Donald is protected and that he's going to give Sam Donald a fighting chance to get that ball to his weapons downfield. Now, speaking of weapons, Denzel Mims, okay, huh. someone who a lot of people thought were not going to be there, was, was not going to be there in the second round. And Joe Douglas makes a calculated trade, procures some more draft picks, trades down, and still gets his man. And if you guys have not gotten the opportunity to see the highlight tape on Denzel Mims, I suggest you do. Because I watched it a couple of times over. And for me to say two words, holy shit, that this guy is actually going to come in and he's going to suit up for green and white. I have a feeling that Denzel Mims is going to make us forget all about Robbie Anderson. Yeah. going to say yeah. on that. Yeah, and Mike, what did you what did you think about the, the second day picks? I mean... Um, we know how you felt about Beckton, and we're going to break down every single pick individually, Mike. But when he went to those second-day picks, what do you think about Joe Douglas? What do you think about the value and what he was able to do crafting this Jets roster for 2020 and the future? I think that, you know, like I said before, he had a very keen awareness of, of the draft and the value on it. And I thought that he understood the holes that we had and that he was building not just for 2020, but for the future, uh, a little akin to what... Uh, CJ was talking about I if you look our offensive line has a pipeline now if you look at our wide receiving core we've actually improved and got younger at the same time if you go look at our cornerbacks and our secondary we now have a plan to go past um, Marcus May if Marcus May decides to move on so I just thought what he's done is really establish that foundation moving forward and uh, found great high character players. If you look across the board at everybody we took, they were team captains, they were athletic, there were the guys that were just versatile that you don't have to put in just, it wasn't like, oh, we got ourselves a cornerback. No, you got a deep defensive back who could play corner, could play nickel, could play sock. You got a guy who could guard and a left tackle. You got a guy who could be a receiver or a slot receiver or a, you know, whatever. You got football players. And that's what Joe Douglas is about. He's about football. With the 11th pick in the NFL draft, the New York Jets selected Makai Becton, offensive tackle out of Louisville. At 6'7", 364 pounds, Becton poses a generational combination of size and athleticism. His rare seven-foot wingspan aligned with explosive upper body power creates chaos and disruption knocking defensive linemen off their feet. Becton leverages his unique size and long arms to recover quickly if initially beat. His mass can finish off defenders to make up for any lack of technique during the downset. He is second to none executing his run block ability. Becton's surprising nimble feet and functional athleticism that is only matched with his positional tool set and high football IQ make him one of the premier draft prospects of the 2020 NFL Draft. My grade is an A for this pick. Yeah, I'd have to give the Jets an A as well. And, you know, I was looking, I was thinking the other day, if this was last season, to look at it like this, for anyone that criticized the pick or say maybe that they maybe should have took worse. If this was last year, 
Makai Beckton's the first offensive lineman off the board, not even close. The, considering the talent that was on the board this year at offensive tackle, that's why we were worried he wouldn't even get to us because there was so many, there's four really good studs out there. The way the board slipped, the way things played out in front of us worked out perfectly. He's six foot seven, he's 365. I give the Jets an A also because it's basically they, they drafted kind of a bigger, in theory, you hope he can turn into a bigger version of a Jonathan Ogden, someone who's enormous, but also an athlete, who has a nasty streak, who has the size, a behemoth, he's just a walking eclipse out there on the field, so this all worked out perfectly for me, I mean, they were even going to maybe try to move to 7 or move up to 9 to get him, that's what Manish Mader reported today, that's how much they liked him, Thomas was off the board, Wills was off the board by then, so he had one of the highest PFF grades for athleticism of any offensive lineman, any and he's six foot seven, three sixty five. You know, that's factoring in guards or guys a lot smaller than him. He's going to have to work on his pass protection. We know that. That was his weakness in college. Now he's going to be working with NFL-level offensive line coaches. Everything worked out perfectly for the Jets. And this pick, getting Mount Becton, someone that hopefully is a lockdown left tackle for us for the next 10 years, was a no-brainer. Now we have Becton, Lewis, McGovern, Van Rotten, Font. We also have Compton. We have Cameron Clark, who we drafted. We'll talk about. We still have Winters, who may get cut. We have Harrison. We actually have depth at offensive line, where last year... We were pathetic on offensive line. And Joe Douglas, we'll see how it works out. We'll see how they play on the field, Mike. First pick of the NFL draft for the Jets, so I definitely give them an A. Listen, this is this is really simple for me. And, I mean, you guys know, we've talked about this for, for a few weeks now. But uh, Beckham was my pick. Um, I've been saying it, you know, sitting from early when uh, everybody kept talking about the big three or the big four or what have you. And then it, it eventually the conversation started moving with five because of uh, because of the Josh kid uh, that you know they had uh, and, and, and Austin Jackson, I get those were kind of the guys they were saying were creeping up. But Beckham was my guy from like from jump. Um, I've been on record as saying that uh, even when 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 we began discussing uh, you know what options it is that we thought might be available, especially be at eleven because the expectation was, and I, I think to you guys' point uh, that it didn't fall the way that we kind of expected that it would. Um, we thought that we would end up being or. or the reporting was that we would end up being stuck with, with choosing Beckton, whereas I thought that Beckton was actually probably the, the highest upside and, and the perfect pick for this situation with this team in, in, in this season. Because I do think that there's going to be some, some growing pains, and obviously the expectation with every rookie is that there will be some, at least. Um, but I'm going to be honest, when, when all is said and done, um, I, I think we're looking at this pick as, uh, you know, it, it quite possibly could be up there with the with the last first round offensive uh, line selections that we made. At least I'm hoping that it ends up make, working out that way, uh, like with Rick and, and with Nick Mangold. So um, this is a, this was a no brainer pick for me. Um, um, I really like the pick. Um, we're going to get into a little bit more, obviously, as it goes. But, you know, if you if you uh, recognize what it is that we uh, were talking about a little earlier with uh uh, some of the commentary that was made about this kid on the previous uh, episode of Weapon Pot, you know, you might want to check that out. There, there are some some folks that are throwing some shade at it. Right, Keith. Um, Mike, I don't believe Keith, any they're, of it. They're, I don't. Keith, they're, they're, their guest that they had on. His name is Mike. He said it's a bust pick. He said it's a <laughs> sunny. This is what he said on their show. Yeah. I listened to it. From he what said, vantage point? He, he goes. He goes. It's a bust pick. He has terrible technique. He's not going to do anything in the NFL. Rambling, incoherent response. I, I, I said to him, I was thinking to him, I said, I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Louisville plays in the ACC. They played against Notre Dame. They played against Clemson twice. Mississippi State. 
They played against yeah. Virginia. You're trying to tell me this cat didn't play? And every team you see this cat play, look at the Clemson take. He's yeah. driving cats back. He's like, oh, he didn't really yeah. play against anybody. Guess what? He's the size of Jupiter. Everybody looks so he He's first team. He, he, said, he said the coaches didn't like. Said the yeah. coaches didn't like. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't. Everyone has their own opinion. I haven't seen any any experts. Which you know, I don't know if this person calls himself that or not. I haven't seen many experts say it's going to be a bust. That seems a little strong. I don't know what saying he has bad technique or whatever the case may be. Maybe his technique can improve. But Becton is the guy that I heard experts say has the highest ceiling of anybody. If someone has no technique or has bad technique or has technique that won't be able to translate to the NFL, I doubt they're going to sit on a broadcast and say that just for the hell of it, especially in a draft that has Andrew Thomas in it and Wills in it and Worfs in it. This is somebody that stood out to plenty of people. So, I mean, saying he could be, if you want to say maybe the, these other guys might be better than him, you might have a leg to stand on. Saying it's going to be a bust. You're an idiot. I don't really know where a person would be coming from with that, besides just wanting to be a hater or th wanting to throw cold water on the pit for, for whatever reason, because you haven't heard anything bad about him. You heard a work ethic when he was at Louisville. He came there. He was a little out of shape, then worked hard the whole time he was there, got himself into great shape. No player in the history of the NFL draft that's above 350 pounds has ever run a 40 under 5'1". Exactly. So, I mean, th this guy is an athletic freak, aside from being gigantic. And then and then you, you factor in the way he works in the run game, which you saw with some pancaking people left and right. I mean, I don't know. With, with, the, with the type of reach he has, the arm length he has, we when we drafted Brickleshaw Ferguson, it was, it was much, much not as big of a player. But you saw how long his arms were. He just kept people away from him. Yeah. Once this dude gets NFL coaching... I think he's going to be dominant. If you want to throw Paul Water on it, fine. If you want to talk about first-round offensive lineman bust, all you got to do is go look back last year with the Cincinnati Bengals. They took Williams. He didn't even play. Torres Rotator Cup before he even played one game in the NFL. Plus, plus, plus. That's a great way to start off your career when you're an offensive lineman. My biggest issue with him was, you know, as far as the weight is concerned, because he's going to be having pancakes all weekend long. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, that's what we're talking about with this yeah. uh, Listen, I like the pick. Okay, personally, you know, uh, I thought that, you know, the, originally the guy that I wanted was Andrew Thomas. Um, then, I, then I was also looking at Jedrick Wills. But you know what? I can't be disappointed in the Mekhi Becton pick. You know, th this is somebody who Joe Douglas is looking to to be a cornerstone for this New York Jets offensive line for years to come. Uh, and you know what? The kid's got an attitude. He wants to come in and he wants to work hard. He wants to win. He wants to play hard for New York. He's got pride in being a New York Jet. He's saying all the right things in the media so far with his post with the um, with the post draft press conferences that they had got to speak to him. You know, as as far as I'm concerned, look, this pick is not going to make everybody happy. And sure, you know, uh, there are people that are that are going to throw cold water over the picks because they're going to say. Well, they got bad technique or this or I don't like the way he does this or I don't like the way he does that I don't like the way he brushes his teeth. I don't like the way he scratches his ball You know, I'm sure everybody's gonna have a, a, some sort of an opinion for what he does All right, but at the end of the day the bottom line is is that if the kid can go out there and he can play football And he can help protect Sam Donald and give Sam Donald a fighting chance out there next year when the Jets take the field Let the kid go out there. Let him prove his worth and to me Yo, this was a good pick. Joe Douglas st stuck true to his plan and to his blueprint that he was going to rebuild the offensive line, and that's exactly what he's done so far. Look, the, I heard Manish Mehta. The truth is Joe Douglas already had a deal with Jacksonville at yep. nine for the fourth-round pick. 
He already had to move up, and he said, you know, the only two offensive linemen he was willing to move up for was Becton and Wills. Once Wills, Wirfs, and Becton were all there, he decided to pull that. That uh, as Arizona went for the uh, linebacker, he pulled the the uh, he pulled it because he knew he was going to get one of them. And there was Becton at eleven. And he took him, and that means to me, Joe Douglas already knew that he wanted this kid from jump, and that's why I give it an A because it was a need and the talent and size this guy is. So good job to Joe Douglas. So in the second round, with the 59th pick in the NFL draft, the New York Jets select Denzel Mims wide receiver out of Baylor. Denzel Mims ran a 4.38 at the scouting combine. That speed, along with his 6'3", 207-pound frame, gave him a speed score of 115.6, which ranks in the 96th percentile. Notable receivers around that range, Mike Evans, 115.7, Julio Jones, 121.7, AJ Green, 107.1. Mims is a long-strided outside target with excellent height, weight, and speed combination. Utilizing at an insane catch radius, he becomes a lethal touchdown threat near the red zone. His nine intermediate range touchdowns were the most in the country in 2019. His physical route running ability allows him to fight off defenders, creating separation, and boxing out opponents at the highest level of the game. Most of his touchdowns were run on fade routes, which reflect his ability to jump and fight for the ball at the high point. He could switch directions and launch into the air to snatch balls away from defenders, making him a scary target to any defensive scheme. Denzel Mims will be a dangerous threat to opposing defenses and a weapon for Sam Darnold and the New York Jet offense to utilize in 2020. My grade, A+. Wonderful job there with the analysis, Michael, and the manner in which Joe Douglas went about procuring the services of Denzel Mims. The fact that we had the 48th pick and he traded down and all of us kind of collectively shriek just because we're like, damn, there's all these talented receivers left. Claypool's still out there. Mims is still out there. We're hoping we get one of them and you trade down. Claypool goes the next pick after that. So you're saying to yourself, there's no way Mims is going to be there when we pick 59th. But he was. Those type of things, those type of trades, that type of pragmatic approach and thought process and still end up with your guy. We're not used to that as Jet fans, okay? So even that, we got to mention that and give give a tip of the hat to Joe D for that. Ended up getting us an extra pick, and we still got Mims. And just getting into Mims himself, Mike, this is somebody that was very intriguing, moved up draft boards as we got closer to the draft. Some some mocks had him up there in the first round. I know he was out there at Baylor. They didn't have a, a ridiculously intricate passing game, usually one-cut passing game pretty much, but... He did not have the best quarterback play, but still last year was able to get over 1,000 yards, had 12 touchdowns. In his career, his, his, his freshman season, he only had three catches for 24 yards, but basically the past three years, 183 catches, 2,900 yards, 28 touchdowns for Mims. Some of the criticisms you've heard about him have been drops. Now, when you get into the drops with Mims, no receiver in Division One went up for more contested balls than Mims because yeah. Baylor had nobody else at all. And, you know, his sophomore year and his junior year, he had more drops than you want. But I want to throw this stat at you guys that I read today. His senior year, his drop rate was 4.3. He only dropped five passes the whole season last year. That's five drops, 117 targets his way, 66 catches. He only had five drops. He caught 66 of 71 catchable balls last year. And Lamb's drop rate was 5.4%. Judy's drop rate was 4.5%. 
Mims actually had a lower drop rate last year than either of those two guys. who went oh, much wow. higher off the board. The, the biggest game he played last year was versus Georgia. He balled in that game. Baylor is nowhere near the level team of Georgia, but in the Sugar Bowl, 75 yards a touchdown in that game. So when you do a deep dive on this kid and you look, um, you, you look at the drops, maybe, but when you look further into it, the circumstances, why? And then his senior year, he kind of corrected it. But even in the previous seasons, I think that might have been one of the reasons he slid. Also, the fact that Baylor doesn't ask the receivers to do too much. You go up, you make one cut, you run long. They kind of He's kind of running in college those Robbie Anderson routes. And he can, which is which is nice for us because we just lost Robbie. He can come in here, slide in, about twenty pounds heavier of a guy than Robbie. And when you look at some of his touchdowns in college, some of the catches he was able to bring in, the guy's a physical specimen. Can make some free catches. Ran a four point three eight. Mike, I think from all different angles, this was a home run. Where we got him, he was the forty sixth ranked overall player in the draft according to ESPN's rankings. He went 59th to us. That's good value right there, too. And I do think this is somebody who is comparable and will end up, when the smoke clears, being up there stats-wise, in their career-wise, with a ton of these guys that were taken in front of him. With Lamb, with Judy, with Ruggs. Look at the physical skills. Look what he was able to do in college. We're not going to ask this dude to do anything intricate, to do button hooks, to do perfect timing routes, to be like he's Reggie Wayne, you know, circa 15 years ago. No, we're going to say we need you to run down the field, jump up in the air, and catch the ball. We have other guys do all the other stuff, and that's all we need him to do. This was a home run pick. To me, was one of the two best picks of the entire draft, along with Hall further down in the draft. Um, I love this pick. What do you guys think? We weren't able to talk to CJ, chat with you after that. CJ, what do you think? Mims slides to the Jets at 59. You think he's going to be a real deal playmaker for us? The Jets have been... A lot of people have been complaining the Jets have no weapons. Right, Keith? Right, Kevin? Right, Mike? We've been hearing this shit for years. The Jets have no weapons. Sam Darnold has no one to throw the ball to. Everybody on the Jets suck. Okay, well, what does Joe Douglas go out and do? He gets one of the best receivers in the draft in Denzel Mims and says, you know what, Sam? I got you a weapon. Go take a look at the highlight tape on this kid. This kid is the real deal. He fights for 50-50 balls, okay? He's not the one-trick pony like Robbie Anderson where he just runs a nine route, okay? Then gets hit like a sack of potatoes and goes down. <laughs> he takes hits and he keeps on going. That's he's true, not man. afraid. He's he's not afraid to go to the outside. He's not afraid to cut over the middle. I've seen this guy bowl people down. Okay, absolutely decimate safeties and cornerbacks that are trying to tackle him, and he just completely manhandles them like they're rag dolls. Okay, he goes up, he catches the ball. He's a physical catcher. He's got that speed. He's going to be that outside threat. And I'm telling you, I said it before. I'll say it again. Denzel Mims is going to make us say by the end of next season, Robbie who? <laughs> Robbie who? And I throw, let, me, let me throw one more stat at you guys just to add into what CJ just said. Last year, 2019 in college football, Mims had 41 contested balls, holding 20. So if you're 50% on those, that is amazing. That actually is second highest catch rate for those type of passes, those 50-50 balls in the whole country. So wow. that's somebody that when you say this is when they when I heard the why he dropped maybe was um because of the drops. When you look into it, that's not really the case. No. I mean <laughs> CJ, when we were on your podcast and I'm talking to you and Kevin and you had Scott Mason on, what did I say? What did I say? 
about the second round and who we should get. And what did Scott Mason say? Oh, he's not going to be there. He's not going to be there. Denzel Mims, he won't be there. I said, man, we can get a guy like Denzel Mims in the second round. I hate to say that I told you so. I mean, he could yeah. easily outpace what Robbie is. What did I say? So I'll shout it through cupped hands. And that's exactly. There was, there, there was no way that the expectation was Denzel Mims. Was it was. No one. Kevin, I said that. Kevin, I thought he'd be there. Keith called it from before, and you can listen to our pre-podcast, yeah, yeah, pre-draft yeah. show. I, he I, said I, I, he I give him the prop. Considering how deep. This wide receiver classes factor that in. He could still yeah. be here, Mike, and I think that's where I think that's where they're going to be looking. Hopefully, in around. I, I give him the prop. He, he was he was absolutely right on that. That that was that was that was that was a really it was legitimately it was a great call. It oh. was a great call because the fact of the matter is we end up getting a kid that that legitimately is better than Rob. Let, let's just keep yes. this real. Robbie Robbie balls here. True. Robbie balls here. But but Robbie was an undrafted free agent for a yes. reason, right? So, so yeah, we'll just keep that real. I, I, I love Robbie. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, obviously, I, I don't agree with half of the shit that we, that we hear talking about Robbie because I just think Robbie earned the right to be able to say that he has accomplished certain But Denzel Mims is a beast. There's no <laughs> doubt. Would I, prefer, would, 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 I, would I prefer to have Denzel Mims over Robbie? Yes, I would, at, at least based off of what it is that I think is possible. But as of right now, Denzel Mims has, he has, it, he has not done what Robbie has done here yet. No, no. If he no, comes no. in and does if, if he comes in and does what Robbie does, I'm gonna tell you right now we're gonna be talking about how good the kid is. Because Robbie was decent. But Robbie was Robbie was was, was good here, better than maybe what we want to give him credit for, but that's yeah. only because the offense has been because the offense has been shit. And, then and Bill Kevin Benz has the opportunity to be much, much better than that. And Kevin, no I, you can ask Kevin, you can ask CJ, you can ask Keith. I've been talking about this kid since the combine. I, I've been in love with this kid more than everyone else, except for Lamb and the, the main guys, right? Mims has been yeah. my guy. And the reason why he has is his physical abilities. The guy is, like I said with that speed score, only the elite of the elite have his metrics, mm. his size and speed. When you get to the next level, it's nice. You can run these little routes and stuff like that. But, yo, you're playing against big boys. You know what I'm saying? And his right. ability can translate to excellence at the next level. And of all these I, receivers, this is the guy I said he's got the weapons to if used properly to to be the best receiver that the Jets have ever had in their history. We're talking better than Toon, better than Keyshawn, even though Keyshawn really well, any any, any of our older listeners right now are thinking about Don Maynard and they're gonna say that's gonna be a hard guy to top, Mike. That's from the old days I yeah. know, but that's all that's a Hall of Famer right there. Look at just look at the record books because Maynard, you know, it, I I I said that before there's, there's only been what, uh twenty six or twenty seven seasons of a thousand yards and like Don Maynard is like five of them. Um <laughs> I, I yeah. think yeah. Get, catching this kid catching this kid at this point in Sam Donald's career. Yep. If all of if all of the, the the offensive line moves that we've seen come come to fruition the way that we pray that we hope that they will the way that we yeah. gotta believe that they should uh, the, the 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 conversation isn't far fetched man I'm gonna keep yeah, that no, no, I'm, it's, not, I'm it's, not saying it's, it's crazy it's, it's so damn possible and when so we look at possible. and when we look at replacing the production that Robbie gave us as we went through uh, when we were talking about all of us talking about do we bring Robbie back do we not bring Robbie back. 
Um, I, our offense obviously was not the greatest offense, and if Robbie's on a high-powered offense, he's someone that can get a thousand yards for sure. But he's never been able to get a thousand yards in his career, and his career averages are around. 750, 800 yards a year, six or seven touchdowns. There's no reason that next year in this offense, if all things go correct, Mims can't give us that. You know, pivoting, here's my analysis of our third round pick. With the 68th pick in the NFL draft, the New York Jets select Ashton Davis, safety out of Cal. A versatile defensive back with rare physical gifts that can't be taught. This former track star will provide more flexibility for Greg Williams to run an assortment of defensive schemes against different opponents who challenge the Jets vertically. His size, length, and speed could create interest in him as a potential cornerback conversion given his experience to play all over the field. Slot, man, corner, safety. Possessing elite traits such as chase and recovery speed, ball hawk recognition, toughness, make Ashton Davis a value pick for the Jets in the third round. My grade for this pick, B+. Mike, I gave the exact same grade on this one that you give as a B+. And this is why. I know some people probably at this point didn't understand this pick. Or if you're not a Jet fan, maybe you're like, why would the Jets take a safety when they already have Jamal Adams? The reason is because not only is Jamal Adams' contract you know, out there, everyone's talking about it. We have to re-sign him, obviously, before this year ends or franchise tag him next year. We don't even want to go through that mess. But we all know we drafted another safety that same season, Marcus May. His contract's up at the end of this year, and this is the player I they, they kind of drafted to take his place next year because this dude, Ashton Davis, this is somebody that was not just a walker on the football team, was a walker on the track team and became a Pac-12 110-meter champion, okay? Second-team All-American in track, first-team All-Pac-10 in football. I mean, his range, tenacity, this is just a straight-up baller right here, Mike. Somebody that flies to the ball, kind of hurt his ankle at the end of the year, so we didn't see his 40-time, but very versatile. He can play the nickel, could do a lot of different things, 6'1", 205, so he has the size also. But when you watch his tape, if you go on YouTube, anyone, when you see what he does, he gets after the ball the way I'm not he's not Jamal Adams of course there's only one of those but in that that vein that type of player that ball hawk that guy that sees that screen pass and decapitates someone uh, this was a this was a big time selection for us because this is somebody that hurt himself towards the end of the year probably finishes first team all pack 10 again he was second team all pack 10 last year probably goes towards the end of the first round on most people's boards he was the fifth or sixth highest ranked safety so getting him here where we got him mike i think was a really smart pick what do you think cj you think this was something that we could have waited on or do you think that we shouldn't have passed on davis considering marcus may's contract situation and the uncertainty with jamal adams yeah i think all of the reasons for the above plus on top of it you know a player of ashton davis's caliber uh being available in round three uh, and look we all we all saw it last year greg williams likes to deploy three safety sets so having Ashton Davis in there along with Marcus May and Jamal Adams, regardless of whatever's going on with that contract situations, just gives the Jets another dangerous weapon in the secondary that they can deploy to, uh, to thwart and confuse uh, offensive coordinators around the league that they face. Now, you know, uh, obviously the secondary is still a little bit of an issue uh, when we talk about cornerbacks, but we're actually going to talk about that a, a little bit later in the show, as you guys mentioned before. But I see nothing wrong with this pick. And everything that I've seen on Ashton Davis, this, the, the arrows are pointing up. I definitely give this pick a B plus. Hey, hey, CJ, you know I can't stand Bill Belichick. But I do love one of his statements where he says, "Show me, don't show me what a player can't do, but show, them what, show me what they can do. Right. And the Jamal Adams, in my opinion, look, 
everybody on here, you guys can roast me if you want. He's the best blitzing safety I've ever seen in my life. I don't think I've ever seen a better one than him. He he's well, he, had, he has uh, as many sacks as Palomalu right now in three seasons remar- that Palomalu he, had in twelve years. Absolutely, and you can tell, okay, Keith and and Kevin and CJ, you can tell that Greg Williams is in in the uh, Joe Douglas's ear about these three safety sets. You know why? Remember they tried to sign defensive back Marquis Christensen. Yep. from the, yep. the Rams, yeah. and, and that kind of fell through, and we all were like, yeah, all right, we're, he's going to come in there, and it fell through, and they were like, all right, so they got this kid, and that what that does is, yeah, we don't have the greatest edge right now, but you now take this kid and May, put them strong free safety, and then got Adams, Roman, to, oh, see, I know mm-hmm. that's what Greg wants. problem that's what he wants. Right. He wants to do that. And in fact, you unleash, you unleash a Hall of Fame talent, a potential Hall of Fame talent like Jamal Adams. Go ahead, Kevin. What's your your thoughts? Yeah, this is basic. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Cali, and, and I, I I spent a lot of time there. So after uh, the pick was made, I got a lot of I got a lot of messages about this kid, and and I'm I'm thinking this just just as I as I did my little research on him. Um, the, the New York Jets are going to lead the league in sacks by safeties next week. Um, and I think that is because this kid brings so much of a presence that's going to allow uh, Greg Williams to kind of do, I think, ridiculous things with this kid. Now, first off, uh, the, the Swiss Army knife uh, kind of description of him, I, I think is, is, it may be a little bit understated here when we consider what it is that these guys are capable of doing. We saw what Jamal Adams can do. This guy is, 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 is a much better cover. Uh, I, I think he's obviously not as big, you know, as, as, as powerful in, in, in the box as Jamal might be. But I'm going to tell you right now, as, as, a, as, a, as a blitzing, uh, you know, uh, uh, facet to, to add to this defense, man, it's going to be so ugly. It's going to be so crazy. Not to mention the fact that, you know, he, he's going to be able to drop back and cover. He's going to be able yep. to be in, in, in those zones where tight ends yep. are running up the scene. He's going to be able to do all of that. And quite possibly he's going to end up being our kick returner as well. And with the special teams being as important of a team as it is for us in particular, that adds another dimension to what this kid is going to bring to this team. I'm so excited about this pick in particular because I think that this is, this is going to be one that might have been a little bit of a sneaky pick because I damn sure didn't think anybody saw this one coming in particular. But uh, I, I, I think it's going to pay dividends and, and, and the value. This is becoming a trend with these picks, man. The value that we got for each and every one of these guys so far that we've discussed is off the charts. Aston Davis is a football player. He's a football player. Oh, yes, he is. He's a a track athlete that is just as good at football. Yes. You feel me? So, I mean, mean, let's keep that in perspective because he is a track champion. Okay, so... You know, there's there's a dimension to to that aspect of his physicality that really kind of changes the game. We, we we talk about tight ends and basketball players. If we're talking about track guys that can catch, <laughs> man, yeah, you're right. I remember right, he used to tell this, me Usain Bolt. Can you player. imagine? Could you imagine if Usain Bolt could catch touchdowns, bro? <laughs> come on. Sometimes come on. we've seen a lot of these guys. Sometimes that doesn't translate that track, quote unquote, speed. With this dude, it does. He's on the yeah, field tracking, for lack of a better word, but tracking people down on the field every single play. And when we're talking about value, just like Spotty said, another guy who overall ranked in the top 70 of prospects. We get him here in the third round. 
Becton on ESPN's ranking, guys, the number two ranked offensive lineman according to ESPN. Mims was the eighth ranked receiver, and Davis was the sixth ranked uh, safety on the board. So three picks in a row the Jets got where they're grabbing high value guys at their position in the draft. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, the, and then Absolutely. the next pick. With the 79th pick in the NFL draft, the New York Jets select Jabari Zaniga, defensive end out of Florida. Zaniga played at a very high level when healthy in the SEC against very good competition. Pressuring quarterbacks in the 90th percentile while also being a top five in the nation edge defender among all edge who stopped the run, make him an intriguing pick in round three. Possesses a decent library of tools, playing at a variety of spots up and down the line that can be used at the next level. A monstrous start to the 2019 season was truncated due to a high ankle sprain. This allowed him to fall in the draft. His scary potential as an interior rusher in sub packages will give Greg Williams another weapon to use in 2020. My grade for this pick was a B. This kid, Jabari Zaniga, after I was looking more, he is very, very athletic. And a lot of, he wasn't up there with the Bradley and Nyes and all that stuff because those were the narratives and the, the sexy picks. Is this guy, Bradley, uh, Nye is probably a better pass rusher than a guy like Jabari Zaniga, but a Nye can't stop the run like Jabari Zaniga, nor is a Nye good in the middle like Jabari Zuniga. You could put Zuniga in the middle with Quentin, you know, and they got they got uh, Q Williams getting double teamed and then have this cat have that quick twitch ability to go after the quarterback. And the thing that I yeah, love about well, him is that he's athletic. Another guy, see, this is, we're seeing a trend. Team captain, athletic. When he was healthy, he produced. He yeah, wasn't yeah. healthy. He got hurt. But in the SEC... He produced. I gave it a B because I thought we could have gone Cushenberry at that point. That's the only reason why I put it at a B. I thought there were there were a few other players that I like there. But after looking, I could see the value and why Joe Douglas went this way. Yeah, Mike, a B sounds like about right for this pick. This is a guy that you're not taking too much risk on considering how many picks we have right here in the middle of the draft. But what you might be able to get as the reward from someone like this, the upside is pretty big. That junior year, like you said, he was playing pretty good. A six and a half sacks that year. I know in his career in college, it was 18 and a half sacks. 33 tackles for a loss in only 39 games. Played more than half those games injured, 116 tackles total. That's actually decent production for someone that's that banged up, that missed half the year last year, that's playing in the SEC. He was the eighth-ranked defensive end, according to ESPN. I read he didn't really start playing until his senior year in high school. Good guy off the field, very explosive. I'm going to let CJ give us some more expertise on this guy. I know he's down there in Florida, knows a lot more about him. But from what I can tell, um, he was the 76th-ranked overall prospect we got him. 79th overall, right around where his value was is where we got him. It could have been a position that we went with Hill from Ohio State, grabbed another receiver, but you have to be happy at least that they did take a chance grabbing somebody to fill that hole on the edge that we've been trying to fill for God knows how long. And this is somebody, and I know CJ knows this too, this is not Ja'Kai Polite off the field. Ja'Kai Polite, you know, this is something. Ja'Kai Polite came into his meetings last year, and me and Mike did a show, and we're reading how it was the worst interviews anyone's ever had. You know, yeah. they're showing him tape, and he's getting mad. They're showing him things he's doing wrong. That's not a good attitude to have. That should have been a red flag for the Jets. Obviously, it wasn't. It went the way it went with him. This is not that type of guy. Off the field, on the field, solid guy. I think this was a good pick and decent value here in the third round. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this, the only way that I could describe Jabari Zuniga is basically he is the anti-Jakai Polite. 
There you okay. go. There you go. Uh, you know, all the all the things about Ja'Kai Polite that came out in the media after he was selected by the yeah. Jets about him having the issues uh, in the locker room, showing up late to meetings, and so on and so forth. Nobody really knew, you know, what kind of a knucklehead the kid really was. And I was extremely disappointed because I really wanted and expected Ja'Kai Polite to come in and to be the New York Jets' next John Abraham, to be that next great pass rusher. All right, but however, you take a look at Jabari Zuniga, you know, he's a blue-collar, bring-your-lunch-to-work pale guy, and, and I've uh, I've watched him. I've watched him play a lot, and the kid's got a motor, and he can get after it, and he is not afraid to take anybody on or take on any challenge, and especially with the way that he dominates in stuffing the run, he just has a nose for being able to sniff out that ball carrier I remember there was one game where they, uh, unfortunately, you know, the Gators ended up losing against Georgia. He ended up uh, uh, on one running play, ended up shedding like three different tacklers and then still tacking the ball carrier for loss. So, I, I mean, he throws people around like ragdolls. When he said when he sets his mind or he's deployed in a certain position, you know, his mission is to get after the quarterback or to get after the uh, the, the ball carrier and to disrupt as much havoc as he possibly can. Uh, and... You know, high ankle sprain or not, you know, yeah, it did hold him back, and he he really didn't get the opportunity to let loose toward the end of the season that you would have liked to see him. But he still was out there. He still was productive. Him, him, and Jonathan Grenard. Um, uh, that's a pick that the Houston Texans got. I'm sure that uh, M- well, Michael's wife is going to be very happy about that down in Houston. Uh, but you know, nevertheless, you know, Jabari Zuniga is somebody who I could see in the Greg Williams offense. He could be that pass rusher, uh, provided we use him correctly and and uh, you know whatever plans that Greg Williams has for him. But they they wanted a pass rusher and they definitely got one in Zuniga. Body, what do you think, man? You think this was a good selection? You think they should have went wide receiver here? You know what? I was kind of expecting a wide receiver, and I'll yeah. also say that the Cushionberry the Cushionberry pick was was actually on my radar and uh, in my little chat rooms and, and the things that I was bouncing around while these while these picks were being made. I was kind of, you know, pushing that as, as being where I thought we probably would go. Um, I'll be honest, I, I, Zuniga wasn't as much on my radar maybe as Ryan was, and we'll discuss that obviously a little bit later. But um, I, I just in, in what I've seen, I think it was a solid pick. Um, the, the kids are baller, just from what it is that I've from what it is that I've recognized. Um, and obviously, CJ's, uh, you know, kind of glowing. Uh, recommendation of the kid, I, I think both well for me. Obviously, I, I trust you guys. I when it comes to stuff like this, so um, that that is uh, it, it's an interesting pick because I'm thinking just based on what it is that I hear, six, seven, eight sacks possible. Um, and if we have that on the other side of Jordan Jenkins, I, I, I think what it is that we're looking at is probably a, a, a pretty capable kind of a clamp, you know. Uh, to, 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 to mix in with what it is that we're trying to do. It, it might not necessarily be a double-digit sack guy right off, um, but if we can get, you know, maybe uh, some some athletic production, something that we, the, kind of the, the expectation that we're going to get from him is that he's going to be physical, he's going to be fast, he's going to be quick, he's going to be able to, to kind of sniff out not only uh, those runs, but also get to the quarterback off that edge. Um, if we can, uh, you know, kind of have a, a similar expectation to what we got from Jordan Jenkins, who averaged uh, you know roughly eight sacks a season, um, without ha- being a spectacular athlete or anything even along those lines. I think he's just been a solid, uh, serviceable player for us. I think he's done a great job at, at actually being uh, as consistent as he has. Zinni, I think, has a little more flash. So 
you know, I like to pick, um, even though I, I, I can't say that I, I, I was a proponent of it or I was, I was going to say that I knew it was coming or the expectation, I, I can't say that. But uh, just at looking at the player, the character, um, the production, I, 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 in, in context, obviously, based on the situation, um, I, think it, I think it was a solid pick. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. If, if I were to give it a grade, I'd give it just a B because I don't necessarily think that he has, uh, you know, many flaws to just point to and say that it was a horrible pick. Um, to you guys' point, though, obviously there were other players that I was expecting that we would have and probably think that maybe we should have taken at those, at those positions. Um, but, you know, just, just in, in with, with these things not being done in a vacuum, some of the moves that we've made after the fact uh, kind of, you know, maybe make this less of a disappointment. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. when it comes yeah, yeah. to not but just, but just remember, versatility, <laughs> character, athleticism. Attributes Absolutely. that Joe Douglas is looking for, and he fills all three. He comes from an SEC school, team captain. That's why he took him, and you can use him all over the defensive line. So that's you know I understand where Joe was going. I want to thank both you gentlemen for joining us so much. If anyone wants to get at you guys, listen to you guys. CJ, where can they find you? Absolutely, you can find us on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. My partner in crime, Mr. Kevin Jackson, at Spotty Blackman. Ladies, be sure you write that down in your little black books. You can always find, yeah, us, here, find us here on Spreaker.com forward slash Sports War Radio, SoundCloud.com. We also got a Facebook page. You can find us on YouTube, any place that you get your podcast fix. Google Weapons Hot, a New York Jets podcast, and you will find us. Mike, ABG, tell them what's up. Uh, you can find us on the Elite Sports Radio Network, SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com app, all types of platforms. We're everywhere. Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. That does it for this week. That was part one of our draft review. We'll get to part two next week. Break down the last five picks. P. Ryan, Morgan, Clark, Hall, the greatest punter of all time was added to the Jets. We'll get into all that next week with the boys also. Thank you very much for joining us on behalf of the biggest Jets fan in the state of Texas and the boys from the Weapon Hot Podcast. Get at you next week, everyone. Peace out. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Bird, Bird. 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 Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. I want a number leaver.